problem is, who, and I saw it again yesterday, Americans are offering. It's like offering. Like the Victor Bout dude is really bad. Th- this oh, guy fuck. is not is not one that you want to like. Really down. bad, and it's like, In fact, they're offering? He, he only has uh, like another 14 years on his sentence, and you're thinking, that's not enough. No. Right? This guy went out of his way to find the most heinous people that hated Americans more than, uh, you know, than life itself. And were willing to do anything. They, they were willing to wear this stuff and just roll into uh, whatever uh, building they could to uh, blow up as many Americans as possible. This was the kind of guys that this Victor Bout yeah. or Boot was, was seeking out. All right? You couldn't have a more heinous criminal. I, I, you know, it sounds, I don't mean to make light of this, but but it is true that uh, trading Brittany Griner as a political prisoner for uh, Victor Boot is worse, more lopsided than Joe Barry Carroll for the chief and the rights <laughs> to Kevin McHale. <laughs> Who, who's making this deal? Ren Auerbach? For the Russians? My God. The time. Wake up with Defoe, joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defoe Show. On a beautiful Monday morning uh, here in South Florida, where we originate from on the Depot Show, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz, uh, very happy to have you with us. As it uh, looks like Luby is set up in a new location here, uh, looks like you've got your own Kiner's Corner. <laughs> the only thing missing is the old wood paneling uh, that uh, used to be very, very popular in decorating homes on Long Island back in the day. Uh, how are you doing, Mike Luby Lubitz? Uh, big weekend, uh, and it was... Uh, just a wide, diverse weekend of sporting activity, and now we have a full slate of NFL preseason games on tap. So that, that's going to draw a lot of attention during the course of the week, and there'll be a lot of overreaction. And I don't know, is there ever underreaction to the preseason? Like uh, you're watching a guy, he's playing like shit. I, I guess that happens, right, where you oh, have yeah. a quarterback, all of For a sudden sure. he looks like he's a shot fighter, and everybody's like, hey, well, it's preseason, they don't care. And then he goes out there and just lays an egg for the first half of the season. Finally gets cut, ends up playing in Saskatchewan. Uh, so I, I guess you, you can underreact to things that happen in the preseason. But for the most part, it's just a blatant overreaction. And we can't wait to start doing that <laughs> and corresponding our thoughts to you people out there that uh, view and listen to the show, loyal, faithful uh, people that have followed us for along the way, uh, many different stops along the radio dial and various uh, television appearances and now this uh, internet streaming thing. Uh, we can't wait to just fuel you with bad information about what's going on in the preseason. <laughs> although uh, once in a while you can see some things, Luby, although you, you tend to, to already formulate a very hardline opinion about people and you won't let it go even when it's already, I mean, blatantly proven to be wrong, as is the case with the Justin Herbert to a Tango Bailoa argument, which, uh, let's face it, Herbert's a better quarterback than to a Tango Bailoa. There's no question about it after a couple of years in the league. This guy is a better quarterback, whether he's with a better team, whether they've surrounded Tua with the right weapons, and he's in a system now with this uh, esoteric, existential, philosophical Nietzsche of a coach that we have and Mike McDaniel. It's possible, and he blossoms, has a better season and more productive than uh, Justin Herbert in terms of wins and losses. That That's possible, although there are people that believe that the Los Angeles Chargers just about said San Diego there. The Los Angeles Chargers are a viable Super Bowl contender and worth a few shekels at, at a very uh, lofty price. I don't know. They have to be in excess of 20 to 1, right? I don't know. People have Chargers them out there. People, look, they already had a good defense when Derwin James and Bosa are healthy. They added J.C. Jackson, one of the top five to ten corners, and they added Khalil Mack. So uh, their defense is already going to be better. And then on top of that, 
You have Herbert. They added to the line. Slater's one of the better offensive linemen in football that they drafted, which is what I want the Dolphins to do. Um, so they have one of the better teams in football. So they're right there. It's like the Chiefs, the Bills, or Bills, Chiefs, and then Chargers. Like People have the Chargers like right there with those two teams. All right, we need somebody on the chat line to uh, let me know if uh, you're also getting that same snap, crackle, and pop effect from uh, Luby uh, during the conversation. So uh, Julian or any of the people that are already on the chat line there, uh, uh, fire it up because uh, it doesn't sound too smooth to me. But if it's coming out okay, then I'm okay with it. I can live with it. Um, totally you had a clip there about nice. the uh, Victor Boot uh, transaction for Brittany Griner, which it's kind of interesting because uh, this Whalen guy who was a former Marine and, uh, you know, for, for all – of the right reasons uh, should be somebody that would have been a focus of the attention of the American government uh, as a guy who, uh, if he was spying for the American government in Russia, then all the more reason to get him the hell out of there. And if he wasn't, then, uh, wow, then what on earth, you know, was uh, America thinking and uh, all of these diplomats that, that are involved in this whole Brittany Griner thing, uh, which uh, nothing wrong. I mean, she she obviously... Uh, look, it's Midnight Express. I mean, uh, we're talking about Brad Davis in the movie playing uh, William Hayes. Life for what? And uh, you're saying to yourself, uh, wow, I mean, that, that's uh, that's a tragedy to get nine years in prison for uh, something so uh, ridiculously simple. Uh, as we were saying the other day, there, there was a uh, chance uh, that uh, I have more uh, hemp and uh, THC content in the floor mats of my Tiguan than she had in her suitcase. So nine years in atrocity. Now, uh, the other side of the argument is, and, and this has come out uh, quite frequently on social media, I'm not sure that it's an equal divide. I, I think almost anybody would agree that, uh, you know, to get a nine-year sentence like that uh, is just absolutely atrocious but and, and is radically unfair. I mean, think about it. Uh, spending the next – I'm sitting on the beach yesterday thinking, uh, how wonderful is this uh, for a couple of hours, right? Uh, fortunately, I'm in a situation where – I can walk across the street and uh, get to the uh, beach and, uh, you know, sit there at my leisure. And it doesn't have to be a full day commitment or anything. I don't have to schlep a lot of stuff. And, and you're thinking, wow, I mean, these two hours were as enjoyable as anything I've ever had. I mean, uh, imagine picture yourself in, in a Russian prison colony. And now I'm smoking a joint on the beach, which was issued by the American government and uh, purchased uh, legally here. And uh, I, I don't know what the rules are about uh, outside, I, I guess. If the cops happen to roll by, why would they tell you to put it out? Yeah. Not sure. You're smoking a joint on the beach today that I acquired through, uh, you know, legal medical marijuana means. Um, nobody's going to make a big deal about that. They don't even care anymore. I think nah. if you were smoking a joint in your car, uh, there's a pretty good chance the guy would just say, hey, hey listen, why, why don't you put that out and uh, focus on driving? Honestly. So so the offense, I mean, uh, look, uh, does the punishment meet the crime? No, with Brittany Griner. But uh, it, it's insane, really, because of her popularity and her presence. I mean, she, she doesn't deserve to be there. Many people feel, though, hey, you know what? You were kneeling for the flag. You hated America. You didn't want anything to do with it. You thought this was such a bad country. You couldn't wait to say enough negative things about it. Now, now the beauty of America is you're entitled to go ahead and do that and, and still be an American, as long as you're not hurting anybody. I, I don't know. Was Brittany Griner hurting anybody? She was hurting the feelings of veterans, of uh, law enforcement people. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you can make a case, and uh, this letter has been circulating on social media from uh, a Vietnam veteran. Uh, it's, you know, origin, originally supposedly written by a Vietnam veteran saying, hey, I did all this and that, that. And, and, and you, know, uh, you know, the fact that you were denouncing America really offends me. And guess what? Now you want to be an American? 
So there, there's some of that sentiment involved. But all that being said, I mean, it's ridiculous for, for somebody to be sentenced to nine years in prison for the offense that she committed uh, in, in Russia. And uh, fortunately, I mean, this Whalen guy who's been rotting away in a Russian prison for three and a half years, I, I guess he's going to be the player to be named later in that deal. <laughs> but now the Russians, they want another player to be named later. Please. First, it was some uh, murdering uh, Cretan that, that was locked up in Germany, which uh, I, I don't know. How do you work that out now? Are you going to involve the Tampa Bay Rays in the deal? They get the Yankees who they need from the Mariners? What is this? It's insane. And, and of course, the Russians are uh, openly admitting that, listen, we whacked this woman with nine years in prison for a ridiculous offense, which probably, uh, you know, she's playing basketball there. She obviously had some kind of a presence and, and name in the country, probably in a very popular light. Um, and, and no protest from uh, the Russian people because they wouldn't dare say anything. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just a horrible situation. But uh, the trade, I mean, is very lopsided. I, I would say as facetious as that comment was about Joe Barry Carroll for uh, Kevin McHale and the chief, uh, it's right up there. It, it's on the <laughs> merchant of death guy. Uh, yeah, I and mean, then whoever else they want, what other, other heinous, uh, impossible uh, criminal they want back in exchange for two uh, people that were, well, you know, one, she did have the drugs in her bag. Is she uh, innocent? Not completely, but is this really any kind of justification for a nine-year prison sentence? No. Uh, if anything, you would have thought that she already had done more than enough time uh, just leading up to her trial there and the ultimate conviction, which uh, everybody uh, you know knows that in the Russian courts, whatever the prosecutors want, they're going to get. I guess they were whining that it should have been 10 years, which uh, is insane. But, uh, no, fortunately, something uh, good may come of that also in that this Whalen guy finally gets uh, out and there was some attention brought to, to his uh, predicament that he was in there uh, just thrown in jail arbitrarily and then convicted of uh, espionage, sentenced to 16 years, and, and kind of like to throw away the key and forgot about. Unbelievable. <laughs> Andy, who's sprung from the hospital, speaking of getting out of jail, uh, <laughs> says the Russians want Fritz Peterson's wife also in this deal. Uh, is she still alive? I don't even know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know, that, that's going to play itself through, I, I guess, and, and hopefully end up in a somewhat favorable result in that uh, while we release this, uh, you know, just absolute mass murdering piece of shit uh, back to the Russians uh, after 10 years, 11 years of a 25 year sentence. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't imagine that, uh, you know, he, he simmered any about uh, his beliefs about Americans. Uh, Victor Boot, what do you think? No. Is there any way that he kind of mellowed out and just said, you know what? I really deserve these 10 years in prison under horrendous conditions, probably the tightest of security in some federal lockup somewhere where you never see the light of day. I mean, El Chapo's probably got more yard time than Victor Boot. I, I can't imagine that that kind of tempered his feelings about Americans and he now wants to do nothing but good. There's a reason the Russians want him. Like, he, I think he still has all of his networks open. Like, the minute they release him, he's going to go right back to work, like 100%. I'm getting you in the worst. So that's annoying because uh, I've changed my mic. Like this mic shouldn't yeah. do that. Is anyone else yeah. getting it? I don't mind you guys commenting because I've yeah yeah. I've, please uh, let I've us changed know. my mic. Um, the levels are low. Really, this is to what, me. It sounds like garbage. But yeah, uh, this is what's okay. A lot of people say that uh, you shouldn't be on the show. No, no yeah, nobody exactly. says that anymore. That was a program director many years ago. All right, a wild weekend of uh, sporting activity. A lot of different things happening uh, over the weekend, and uh, wow, it was a tale of two cities, huh? New York City. Where the Yankees are in the throes of just an abysmal slump here. They've lost five in a row. Uh, they were beaten yesterday by the Cardinals 12-9. to 
Uh, they were also beaten in that series and swept for uh, the first time, I think, uh, what they say, since 2007? Does it go back that far? Uh, first time they were swept by uh, a National League team in a three-game series in a long, long time. That They have been swept the least in three-game series of any team since the advent of interleague play at the New York Yankees. It's swept by the Cardinals as part of this five-game skid. Uh, they have uh, lost uh, – some ridiculous proportion of games over the last 30. I believe there are uh, several games under 500, like three, four games under 500. This was from a team that was playing 750 baseball all year long. Everybody was applauding all of the moves that Brian Cashman made around the trade deadline, except for one, Luby. And it came back to haunt him, right? He traded this pitcher, Montgomery, a starting pitcher, to the Cardinals, who came back and beat the Yankees over the weekend. So uh, that's always kind of an interesting uh, paradox when, uh, you have uh, a guy that you traded, and he comes back the very next time that you see him, and it comes soon after the trade deadline in this case, and uh, he, he beats you in, in uh, what appeared to be uh, you know keep all game. In that, uh, you now have the Yankees still well out in front in the American League East, but that lead is down to nine and a hook. Luby, what do you think? Nine and a hook. Can Toronto catch him? I don't I, know about that. Garrett Cole all of a sudden doesn't look anything like an ace. It looks more, I don't even know if he looks like a jack or a 10. I mean, he, yeah. he's starting to look like a six, Garrett Cole, uh, for all of that money. And uh, you need him to come around if you're a Yankee fan. And uh, one of the big questions was uh, whether the rotation would hold up and all of a sudden it, it's kind of collapsing uh, right in front of them. So the New York Yankees uh, going deep south, my friend, deep south so far. I don't know if it's enough to derail them from, uh, I, I can't imagine they don't make the postseason with the year that they're having. Yeah. But uh, stranger things have happened, right? Chicago comes uh, way back in the day. Philadelphia Phillies, what was that, 64, when Gene Mock was throwing asparagus around the locker room there. He hit Richie Allen in the eye with some barbecue sauce. That wasn't a good move, Gino. And uh, they, they fell apart and uh, lost a huge lead, like a 10-game lead with 11 to play, something in that neighborhood. I, I don't know if that's going to happen to the New York Yankees or anybody's going to catch them, but uh, they certainly need to turn things around. Meanwhile, the Mets, I talked to Mr. Met yesterday while I was on the beach, Ira Dornstein. And he was upset because he was set up perfectly in front of his television set, ready to watch the uh, Metsies take on the Braves in the final game of the series. It was a rain delay. So he was a little bit uh, verklempt about the idea that he was going to have to wait like another 45 minutes for the game to start. Very confident, though, Luby. And I guess he should have been with Jacob deGrom, who came back his second start back off of this uh, rehab assignment where you didn't know what what was going to you know become of Jacob Degrom this year. Was he going to be okay? Was he going to throw one pitch like uh, Max Meyer did uh, right for the uh, Marlins? And the next thing you know, he's needing Tommy John or back out on the uh, injured list uh, once again. Uh, looked real good in his first start, and then uh, pitches a perfect game for five innings plus yesterday for the Mets against the Braves. Say something, Luby, just so I know. That, I, uh, I, I'm uh, here. I just I don't know what else to do. <laughs> no, you do sound like at least on my. They're system, saying no. They're saying I sound kid. not good. I don't know. I mean, it's the same equipment yeah, we no, use for every remote, so I don't understand why it yeah. at my house the internet. Oh, okay, I guess, so sucks. that's been verified here. Yeah. Yeah, they're saying it sucks. Yeah, like I, I don't know what to do. There's nothing else. I've already changed the microphone. I, I'm I don't know what to do. To be brutally honest, so we'll change locations. I guess later on. Um, right this now. Kiner's Corner. I mean, it's done you in. I don't know uh, what you yeah, did there. I here, the internet know. sucks here. Do you operate out of the same house, or is this a different uh, no, location altogether? The internet is really bad up here, and I think that's what's happening. So I'm going to move okay. downstairs right. at, at the bank. All right. 
All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get to a break here uh, eventually. Well, in the meantime, I'll keep babbling and you there keep you talking and static. Anyway, the uh, Mets say, and uh, Iris says to me, oh, well, you know what? Uh, we're going to win today with DeGrom, and, and we're going to be up six and a half on the Braves. And I thought, wow, isn't that the unfortunate uh, psychology uh, of all Mets fans? Just when you buy in. Yep. Here it is late in the season, season and you're thinking, okay, you got to believe. And uh, sure enough, that's usually when things uh, start to unravel and bad things start to happen. But DeGrom, uh, he goes, uh, and this was great too, Luby. Uh, he goes five and two thirds in the game yesterday. Uh, he strikes out twelve during that span. Uh, he had a perfect game going until he walked a guy. I think with two away in the sixth inning. I'm pretty sure it was five and two thirds or something like that. I, I know he was into the sixth inning uh, with a perfect game going. Uh, I believe he got the first couple of guys out. He had twelve strikeouts at that point. He finally walks a guy and uh, loses the perfecto, and the next guy up hits a home run. Now the Mets were still leading in a ball game. I believe they were up. I think they were up 4 nothing at the time when these two runs scored for the Braves in the game. DeGrom gets lifted because he had reached a pitch limit. I think he had thrown like 75 pitches or something, 70 of which were probably strikes. And uh, he gets into the dugout, and, and he's uh, oh, excessively, I mean, just overwhelmingly frustrated. And slam- this is a guy who just struck out 12 and 5 and 2 thirds in his second start back off a year layoff. And he fires his glove onto the bench there in frustration there after uh, giving up this home run uh, where the Mets uh, now had given up a couple of runs after uh, it looked like, I mean, he wasn't going to be able to go to distance, uh, I would imagine, because of pitch count. I, I can't imagine they were going to send him out there and let him throw 100 pitches in this ball game. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, looked brilliant. So uh, the Mets on the ascent. They have won uh, 15, I think, uh, of like uh, 21, something along those lines, or 16 of 21. They're, they're really on a good streak. And the Yankees uh, all of a sudden are, are in the crapper, and uh, they now uh, have flipped positions on the back page of the New York Post. It's the Mets getting all the attention, which is kind of weird, and the Yankees having an incredible year until just recently all of a sudden have uh, become uh, yesterday's news. And uh People are looking at some of these deals. It, 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 it shows you what uh, paralysis by analysis can do also because uh, all of the uh, people that were looking at what the Mets did at the trade deadline were saying, oh, my God, how could they sit chilly like that? They didn't do anything. The only move that's uh, going to help them is DeGrom possibly coming back. We don't know how that's going to work out. And everybody was just salivating over Brian Cashman and his brilliance. And uh, so far, the guys the Mets got, this guy Vogelback has become a very popular figure. He weighs about 350 pounds, a uh, big left-handed hitter that they got from the Pirates. He was hitting 230 with the Pirates, uh, and, you know, he, he supposedly is just a, an excellent hitter uh, with a great eye at the plate. Uh, since he's come to the Mets, he, he's been a real folk hero, including chugging around the bases. Uh, I believe it was that he scored from second on a double, it seemed like. Uh, it took him forever to get around a bit, but he was running as hard as he could. It looked like he was going to collapse. And uh, he's become a real popular folk hero, the kind of guy that sparks a, a team to uh, go on and, and have a real good uh, result at the end of the season. So but we'll see with Scherzer and uh, DeGrom, uh, certainly in short series, best of seven series, uh, the uh, New York Mets are going to be a huge factor. And uh, they also have that guy Walker pitching well. So, uh, you know, there might be uh, might be some possibilities. I, I'm hoping I was in his 80s. I was a Met fan, I, I, you know. I didn't mean to put it in these terms, but I said I'm just hoping they win a championship before you go to that big casino in the sky. And, and it looks like there's uh, at least a possibility of that. So uh, interesting in baseball. The Marlins, of course, 
They finally won a game. Uh, they, they never score any runs. It's just horrible to watch. It's the most boring baseball you'll ever see. They sit there now at uh, 49 and 59 on the season, and uh, we are out of it. We're ready to watch Tua Tangabailoa and see if he can do it with, with this uh, whole new uh, system that he's going to have with Mike uh, McDaniel and, uh, you know, this uh, new cachet of uh, players that he's got to work with there, including uh, Hill, who, uh, you know, so far, uh, you know, has done everything to make you believe that this team is on the ascent. So uh, we'll find out. I was just reading uh, some handicapping, too, about the uh, New England Patriots. They, they won 10 games last year. Louie made the playoffs, New England Patriots, even though you uh, hate Mac Jones. So uh, not too shabby. And uh, I, I'm thinking Mac Jones gets even better this year. You're, you're, you're thinking that uh, it, it was – and uh, who was talking about that uh, with us? Was it Jason Cole saying that it was the Patriots' defense that kind of fell apart last year? Shots. It wasn't Mac Jones. That Aaron Shots. Off. It was Aaron Schatz. Oh, Aaron Schatz, yeah, yeah. He was talking about that. And, uh, you know, and, and he's got the numbers to kind of quantify that uh, with his uh, football outsiders, which is often uh, referenced by a lot of people that are doing uh, handicapping. So his outfit became somewhat important, even though the numbers uh, that he was given out were supposed to be the antithesis of what everybody else was looking at. And, and maybe that's where you needed to look, because obviously these guys that use uh, all kinds of sabermetrics and numerology when making their selections in the draft, have to be just flat out out of their mind, right? They may as well just uh, drop some acid with Aaron Rodgers and, and start making selections, you know, the way some of these things work out. So uh, anyway, uh, the, the uh, handicapper uh, Action Sports was saying the Patriots are, are due uh, to, to slide backwards, even though Mac Jones may make an ascent. How about that, movie? Patriots go backwards, win less than eight games this year, even though Mac Jones has like a, a good season and eclipses the total that they've posted for him of 23 and a hook on touchdown passes for the season. Does Mac Jones throw for 24 touchdowns this season? Are you willing to lay 115 to win 100, Louis, on that proposition? It's a good question. I can see that. All right. Hall of Fame ceremonies, uh, always touching, and they always uh, kind of trigger uh, the magic question, why isn't Zach Thomas? <sighs> In the Hall of Fame. Now, maybe that's something, a sentiment that we only feel here. I, I don't think it's unique to South Florida. I, I believe there is a lot of national and international sentiment that uh, somehow Zach Thomas belongs in the Hall of Fame ahead of some of the guys that are in there, uh, and maybe even Sam Mills. I, I don't know. Sam Mills was a good player. Uh, you know, I forgot. Jim Mora was the coach of the Saints when Sam Mills was playing. Jim Mora. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a lot of Jim Mora clips over the weekend. Uh, that's always interesting because you uh, can only envision him going playoffs. <laughs> You're talking about playoffs. We just want to win a stinking game. He morphed into, he morphed into uh, Susan Wallman for that uh, particular clip. Playoffs. It's one of the great ones. It's right up there with the Allen Iverson practice uh, speech. Playoffs. How many times have you seen that? But we saw a lot of Jim Mora, young Jim Mora. Uh, in his clips, and, and uh, I lost a prop bet. I mean, I, I thought this was the biggest cinch in the history of wagering. How could how could you possibly lose this bet, Luby? And he, he gave us 23 minutes when they're only supposed to go for like five. Dick Vermeil didn't cry during his Hall of Fame induction speech. That's crazy. How is that? That's like Tammy Faye <laughs> Baker not crying during the course of a two-hour sermon <laughs> delivered by Jimbo. Well, he was delivering the last several from behind bars, but <laughs> nonetheless, that, that didn't hold up Tammy Faye from shedding a few tears in that mascara. My God, it was like Rudy Giuliani on steroids with the uh, 
hair coloring leaking down his face. But uh, uh, I guess Bryant Young uh, had the most moving uh, speech there, talking about his son who uh, died of cancer. Uh, couldn't help but tear up during that thing. I don't know. How did Vermeil hold back during that? Couldn't but that, that wasn't uh, the bet. The bet was with Dick Vermeil at what point, and I had uh, under two minutes, that Dick Vermeil would start sobbing during the course of his uh, Hall of Fame induction speech. And, and he never did. Wow. I, I mean, it seemed he must have had some kind of, you think he went to like a, a psychiatrist or something and, uh, you know, or some, practiced this thing. And they, they told him, hey, listen, you don't have to cry, Dick. You don't have to cry. <laughs> I'm screaming from the you know other side of the television set here. Cry already! <laughs> it's kind of like watching Million Dollar Baby when we were waiting, uh, you know, for uh, Hilary Swank to die during the movie. Die already! Die already! I want to get out of here. <laughs> Please let me go. Anyway, uh, I was just looking at the prospectus for uh, 2023 Hall of Fame class, and uh, he is now among the top 20 players according to this list on CBS Sportsline. Uh, not in the Hall of Fame that deserve to be there. Top 20 players that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame that are not in it. Zach Thomas is up there. Some people feel that maybe next year will be his year. I, I don't know, Libby. Uh, it, it seems like uh, an injustice that needs to be rectified before it goes to, like, the senior committee in about 30 years, and we're not around to see it. But uh, Zach Thomas certainly uh, deserving. Uh, Nick Kyrgios has become a fan favorite ever since that uh, – meltdown that he had uh, of decorum uh, while, while he was playing at Wimbledon against Tsitsipas. And since that time, he's never been more popular. Nick Kyrgios. He's playing the lights-out tennis and, and would be a threat, I guess, to win the U.S. Open. I don't think you're going to get the same price you did uh, on him to uh, win Wimbledon, which he didn't. Uh, you know, he ran into, uh, you know, he, he got to the final there and uh, played the Joker, and then that was it. But uh, I don't think Joker's going to be in the uh, U.S. Open. Because of the vaccination thing. So, I mean, uh, does that leave the door wide open? I, I don't know if there's a guy playing better tennis out there right now than Nick Kyrgios, who uh, the fans love him now, Luby, and, and you know they're disappointed if he doesn't have a breakdown. That's weird. He, he was uh, pretty much on his best behavior. He played this guy, Francis Tiafo, who's uh, an American uh, who has a great story also, came from very humble beginnings. His dad was like a groundskeeper at some country club, and Tiafo picked up tennis, a black tennis player, and not exactly, you don't see uh, the tennis world inundated with black American tennis players. But uh, Tiafo's been very good for a long period of time, and uh, he had a bloodbath in this uh, prelim for the U.S. Open in Washington, D.C. And, uh, wow, I mean, uh, a 14-12 second set tiebreaker after Tiafo had won the first set. And then Kyrgios came back and won that match. And then he mowed down the rest of the guys in the tournament, but pretty much on his best behavior. He, he and Tiafo are good friends. They actually were having a great time. That was a very entertaining match to watch from a lot of different aspects, including uh, they kind of enjoyed each other. Uh, every time they were making remarkable shots, uh, they would do a couple of antics and gestures, uh, you know, which was very, very appeasing to the crowd there. Uh, but I don't know. He might be playing the best tennis uh, in men's tennis right now. Kyrgios, impossible to break on the hard courts because uh, he's got just a great, great serve. And if he doesn't beat himself, uh, very, very tough. So uh, he went over the weekend, and uh, there were a lot of different tennis tournaments going on around the world. I was following a few of them. Uh, Medvedev looks like he's back on form. World's number one. Uh, the Russian, who was not allowed to play at Wimbledon, uh, got off to a little bit of a rocky start. Some of the uh, tournaments leading up to uh, Wimbledon and the French. And uh, certainly would be a viable contender to win the U.S. Open, which uh, gets, uh, what, underway the end of this month? Are we going, Luby? We should go. Mr. Static. Matthew. 
<laughs> I'm good. All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure out what to do about your uh, situation. I'm gonna move. Here. I'm gonna go downstairs whenever we take a break. All right, all right, we're gonna take a break here in a second. Sue Bird, uh, final regular season game in Seattle, 20 year career. Wow, very likable uh, female athlete. No. Or athlete, period, but uh, very, very likable and uh, kind of the face of the WNBA or one of a few faces of the WNBA. The big question, Luby, is will the Liberty make the postseason in the WNBA? They're a half game out of a playoff spot right now. What do you think? New York Liberty, did they make it? Sure. <laughs> we'll have to ask, uh, consult our man uh, Sarney. Jim Sarney on that. <laughs> Uh, the bluster uh, about Durant and uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, certainly has quieted down, has it not? Nothing being said on that front, zero point zero. So uh, I, I don't know. What do you think? Does anything transpire there? Seems to me. I mean, uh, is there going to be some hustle of activity on these two fronts uh, before the season starts? Can they even make a deal before the season? I guess they can, yeah. but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the old uh, trade deadline come and gone in uh, the NBA, and uh, I, I don't know. I mean, during the off season, they, I guess they can do whatever they want, right? Is it possible? Or are there any uh, parameters, guidelines, tampering? Yeah, Stephen Ross, I guess. <laughs> Stephen Ross, actually, I, you know, it's surprising that, that he hasn't already been hired by ESPN as their tampering expert. Anytime there is a tampering issue, they just go to Stephen Ross. Hey, is this tampering, Steve? Well, you invite a guy onto your yacht and you offer him a contract while he's under contract to another team in front of your head coach who hates you because you told him to lose every game? <laughs> <laughs> He's an owner who wants to win, and he wants to win desperately. That, that's that's all the fans care about. All right, uh, we're going to come back with more. We're going to try and straighten out Luby. We're going to smack him in the face here and uh, see if we can get him to stop talking in static. That, that's a real good trick that you uh, worked on there, uh, Luby, where, where you speak in static now. <laughs> Hope the fans. Not purpose. <laughs> Sue Bird is Jewish. Get out of here, Randy. He thinks that uh, she's a member of the tribe. Sue Bird is Jewish? No idea. Could be. I don't know. Doesn't look it, but, uh, you know, I, mean, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, all right. Uh, we're coming back with more in a moment. We're going to try and straighten out Luby. He's going to change locations. Uh, this didn't work out too well. The wife's out of town, so he figured he'd pull a fast one. And, of course, it fucked up the show. <laughs> Later on, too, we'll uh, spin on out to uh, Dolphins training camp. David Faronis of the uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel going to join us here, and uh, he started covering the Dolphins a couple of years ago. Uh, he was on the University of Miami beat, so he has some strong ties there as well. And uh, I, I don't know that we've had that feeling here since 1969, Luby, where both the Dolphins and the Hurricane season were being uh, looked upon with great enthusiasm and anticipation of good things to come. It's been a long time since both of those teams were on a path where you uh, actually could be a believer. Uh, going to come back with more in a moment here on the Defoe Show. Hialeah Park, a great place to go. It's always cranking. I mean, Saratoga betting at Hialeah Park. We've been talking about how wonderful it is the effusion of the beauty, inherent intrinsic beauty of Hialeah Park, which probably, I don't know, does Saratoga's uh, beauty approximate Hialeah's, or is it Hialeah's beauty approximates Saratoga? I guess since they're not racing anymore, you'd have to say, it's, uh, you know, Hialeah, I mean, gives you the feeling that you're at Saratoga. It's fantastic. You walk in there, you feel great. You can punch away. Very efficient uh, simulcasting room there, champion simulcasting room. I did some punching on Friday. Uh, I was joined out uh, there at the local casino here, the Island Casino, by uh, the Grambling Gourmet, Mike Mayo. Nice. Came out there. Yeah. 
he, he had a good day. I had a good day, and uh, everybody was having a lot of fun. Uh, we special hello to our friend Craig. Always uh, very nice out there. Omar was on fire. Uh, it was just a good time uh, had by all. But, uh, well, I mean, the only thing that could have made it better was if uh, Hylia Park what was uh, in that kind of close proximity. So, uh, you know, we could just jog down the block there. Uh, if you're in the area, it's actually worth the schlep. I mean, uh, if you're thinking about spending a day in a beautiful place and you wanted to punch away on horses, be worth the trip down to Hialeah Park. And, wow, once you experience it again, if you haven't been there for a while, you are absolutely going to love it. You're going to say, you know what, Deef? You turn me on to a beauty here. This is absolutely fantastic. Get a player's card. Uh, if you're going to be in a casino, get a player's card. Uh, it gives you all kinds of uh, rewards and entitlements that, that you wouldn't get in any other program of its sort. Uh, really are very, very generous. It's just absolutely fantastic. So uh, get yourself a player's card when you get to Hialeah Park, and they will match if you're like a VIP somewhere, like like the Mustangs, a big kahuna. They just called her the other day, Libby. You'll love this uh, from the uh, Caesars Rewards Program. Airfare and hotel rooms in New Orleans now. We'll fly you there. We don't care. Well, whatever it takes to get you there. And they kind of treat their customers like that at Hylia uh, Park, too. I mean, uh, it's a local casino that just does a brilliant job and uh, probably the best of any of the facilities of its type here, certainly in South Florida. Certainly, uh, you know, uh, you could probably say the same thing about anywhere in the state. They just treat you great at Hylia Park. Great food and drink. Poker Room is uh, professionally run uh, by real experts, uh, and they make sure that you have a good time there. Always special events. Great place to plan a party. Check out the website, HyaliaPark.com. Always something happening at beautiful Hylia Park. All right, we're going to come back with more, maybe even come back with Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest. Uh, he's Mike Luby Lubitz. He's put himself in a predicament, as they say. I think, what, what is a predicament in wrestling? Three points? <laughs> you get a guy in a predicament where it's like, or is a near fall? I, I don't remember the scoring system. It's like a modified Stableford scoring system in uh, high school and college wrestling. High school wrestling was huge where, where I went to high school. As uh, Belmore, Long Island, for some reason, had Mepham High School which eventually came under scrutiny, you know, the usual stuff, unfortunately, sad to say, uh, where to coach and sexual assault and that sort of stuff. But, man, they, they had a brilliant wrestling program and uh, some real good wrestling coaches there. And uh, it was great. But I can't remember. So we used to go to the matches all the time because it was a big thing. Uh, was the predicament, when you had a guy in a predicament, which was, I, I guess, uh, like a, an unfavorable position for a long period of time or uh, any kind of period where it was close to a pin, uh, what was that worth? Was it two points or three points? Libby? You no tell idea. me. Zero. I have no idea. Near fall, I think, was three. <laughs> you should know. I mean, you watch a lot of Olympic wrestling, <laughs> no? Never. I used to actually know this. <laughs> Never <stuff>. at all. <laughs> all right. We'll see if uh, we can get rid of Mr. Static. And, uh, well, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, we could get rid of you, but uh, it wouldn't help since you're running the show. Uh, I'm Jeff DeForest, and uh, good to be with you here on the Defoe Show. Uh, later on, uh, we'll talk to David Ferronis, and, of course, another big week on tap here. And uh, we'll get into uh, these NFL preseason games and uh, what, what relative meaning they may or may not have. But what if Tua throws a pick on his first pre? He, he, he won't see any action in this game, will he, coming up on Saturday? Because uh, the thing that was always said, and I did a lot of this kind of coverage where uh, Tampa Bay would come to town, at scrimmage with the Dolphins for like three days, and then they play the preseason game. And it was great because uh, Chip Namius, uh, at the time uh, that I was doing a bunch of shows, uh, and, and uh, Don Shula liked to uh, scrimmage against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Tony Dungy was their coach. And, you know, you, you had great access to these people. Dungy would sit down for like an hour and just sh shoot the breeze with you uh, on one of these shows uh, out there at training camp, as opposed to uh, now where, you know, 
uh, you wait around for three hours after the practice is over and it's 150 degrees and blistering heat. And they say, well, you know, maybe we could tape something for tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Water. Water. Exactly. Anything. <laughs> but, uh, and, and they always used to say the cliche was that, uh, that you got more out of the three days or two days of combined dual scrimmaging than you did out of the game itself. Do you believe that, Louie? That they get more out of these practice sessions, these dual practice sessions. And the other common cliche that you hear is, you know what, it's just great to hit somebody in another colored uniform. Which I suppose is true, right? I mean, uh, do you really want to be, uh, you know, uh, beating the crap out of your friends every day? I- I'm not sure. Your teammates. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll, we'll be back with more in a moment here on the Defoe Show. Uh, we'll try and set Luby up in a more favorable situation. I'm Jeff DeForest, and we'll be back on South Florida Live in a moment. How about the time? Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously. Friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand cut every day, everything, and I mean everything is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Recently we realize it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954 809 8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Ric Flair. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among thieves. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. Daddy. The only way to get your morning started is with Defoe, joined by Luby, right here on The Defoe Show. All right, this is kind of take two on the uh, Peel Yourself Off the Mat Monday. I thought Louie was having to peel himself uh, off the uh, floor. Pavement. Uh, as uh, <laughs> it seemed like you fell down the stairs on your way to transition this into something that would uh, not be as tragic as uh, the beginning segment was, at least on your part. I, I thought I did all right, but, uh, you know, it's a little annoying uh, when every time you say something, uh, literally, we had the old snap, crackle, and pop. I thought it was back 
at uh, one of those Steve Lampa stations, 640, 850, oh, even, you know, beyond that. I, I did do uh, some time on the light bulb because uh, there really is no station on the dial that I wasn't a part of at one time or another. I mean, uh, you know, it was just the way it went. Because uh, somebody just posted our friend, uh, and in fact, I met him in the Lampa Nation when I was in Radio Purgatory for a while, uh, a guy named uh, Carl, who, who was known as Slam, and he was a bit of a psycho back then, as a lot of people that are in the board operator mode tend to be, Luby. I mean, you aren't exactly sane. You're more sane now, and you're crazy. <laughs> By far, I mean, exponentially more grounded than you used to be when I first met you 12 years ago. You were throwing things and doing all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, it was unbelievable. But uh, he had posted something on social media, on Facebook, uh, to the effect of uh, what are some of the most common things that, that you heard when you were working in your days in radio? Not, not okay. to me personally, but just to radio people in general, okay, which uh, there are many uh, on social media. And, uh, you know, it seems like you're in that same circle of friends, much like the 85,000 people that are hungry that are subscribers to Mike Mayo's uh, thing with the Sun Sentinel, Let's Eat South Florida, which is spectacular. I mean, think about that, 85,000 people. So uh, I, I don't know. There, there must be uh, at least uh, 100 or two uh, radio folk that I see frequenting uh, social media there. And um, I, I just put up the most obvious one, which is the last thing that you ever wanted to hear, and that is we're going in another direction. <laughs> <laughs> right? How many times did I hear that? Right? Enough. Enough already with this new direction. Take me with you. I can function in a new direction. That's literally, when they said that to me, I said, I can't go in that direction too. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which way are you going, right? We've Left. gone in every direction. <laughs> Why are we changing now? I spent uh, my entire basketball life going left, even exactly. though I'm right-handed. Exactly. I could do it. I'll go either direction, damn it. Oh. That whole move, though, by me was uh, predicated uh, on the fact that, uh, A, I loved Earl of Pearl Monroe, and B, uh, we played on a basketball court where there was no right. So you had to... <laughs> there was a wall there. Like, you had two feet to the right. You could take the, you know, one-step jumper and fire it up there, or <laughs> zip around to the left side there, which was uh, always my move. But, uh, yeah, they never want to take you with them. I want to go in another direction. No matter how, I mean, and usually the direction is straight down. I was going to say, it wasn't a better direction. Right into, right into the fucking toilet. It's, it's just unbelievable. I was thinking about that on my walk of life the other day. I was like, how do radio management people, I don't know if it's uh, as true in TV. It probably isn't. Because uh, my television experiences uh, were not nearly as bozoic in terms of the decision making from upper level management as you got in radio. And, and you tended to have less contact with the upper-level management people in television. I, I think that's also a truism. They, they were more distant. They weren't necessarily people that you ran into every day, and they gave you that dirty look like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you feel that way when we were working and walking in a radio station? We walked by the management office like, what are you doing here? Like, I've only been here for 10 years, man. I'm like, I thought I was one of your stars. They were always shocked. Like, oh, hey. Yeah. Like, what are you doing here? Why did you think oh, we you went? around for five seconds after your show, huh? Like, I'm going to be able to improve on the show by sticking around for like two hours after. Hey, let's listen back to that second segment. I think we made a few mistakes there, Luby. There you go. Please. <laughs> That's my other uh, least favorite saying, a cliche that comes out of sports today. We have a few things, and you're going to hear this a lot. This this may be the number one preseason cliche now. I know Mayo loves this stuff, too. Yeah. 
we have a few things we need to clean up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like your ass. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> you left the stench over the entire city the other night. What the there hell was that? Thirty-one nothing to the Falcons. That's the best. Philbin would say that. It's like, dude, you lost by fifteen, and you played the Jets, and they're winless. I hope you have something to clean up. <laughs> that, that, that's the new buzzword for like we suck. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what do you think about your team's execution? As uh, you know, uh, McKay said, I'm in favor of it. Um, and well, I, and I think, you know, that, that would be something that you would typically hear, I think from, uh, Mike McDaniel, right. Mm, or, or any coach nah. now. I mean, uh, especially these new right. hipsters, right. Like Sean McVay. Yeah. We have a few things we need to clean up, see, but we're going to get right to it. Right. See, McDaniel's like more direct. McDaniel's more direct. McDaniel actually will give you the, McDaniel's pretty specific. That's one thing I give McDaniel is he doesn't beat around the bush a lot. He's pretty he has a weird direct. look in his eye, like Tony Perkins though, doesn't he? <laughs> in one of his movies. <laughs> It's like psycho. He's a weird look in his eye. Like he was Jimmy Pearsall and Fear Strikes Out. Oh, like, my God. He's like psycho. It's not Adam Gase eyeballs, which we didn't even know that Adam Gase had those eyeballs. How was it we had Adam Gase coaching here for what? Was he here four years or, or yeah. three and a hook? I think it's four. Four years? Or was it more? I don't even know. It's four. But uh, it, it was, uh, you know, a, a completely unmemorable period of time in uh, Dolphin Honestly. history where every day we fielded a thousand questions. You think Ryan Tannehill's a franchise quarterback? <laughs> I'll hang up and listen. No, hang up and kill yourself. He's never going to be a franchise quarterback. Never. Like, look, eventually you were like, if we're still asking that in year seven, I think we have our yeah. answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> They, everybody tried so hard to make this guy something that, uh, you know, he just, he really wasn't. All right. It's okay. He did all right with Tennessee as long as he doesn't have to pass the ball. <laughs> exactly. He does it 15 times. He's your man. <laughs> and a good guy. I mean, look, he, he accepted you. Here you are, a poor schlep, uh, you know, honing in on his personal appearance where he's no doubt getting paid like five grand, but you need the 400 desperately that they're giving you for doing nothing. <laughs> Nothing but showing up at a place. Nobody knows who you are. A couple of people. Hey, hey, you're Luby. Hey, I recognize the voice. Yeah. And that's it. That Meanwhile, Tannehill is swamped. His hand is cramping from signing autographs. Uh, they're handing him a bottle of water. He's schwitzing. And, and you're just sitting there going, uh, maybe I'll buy a tennis racket while I'm here. Honestly, I win. I always had a tough time killing time when I was a meaningless, uh, you know, attachment on one of those remote broadcasts where there was an athlete there that everybody came to see. And then there was like me. <laughs> that there was me. <laughs> you're in like uh, Macy's or something uh, in the cologne section, and uh, you know you're set up there, and people are lined up out the door to get uh, the Beezer's autograph, and and you're thinking, well, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> 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 you shop in, you go out to a you know place outside. I'll be back in a few minutes. I'm just going to get something to drink, right? Meanwhile, you're at the local bar, you know, while you were exactly. collecting your three, four hundred. will turn you on to one of those things, and you still hated him, Louie. That, that was the amazing thing. I didn't hate him. I, I'm sure he's a fine human being. I was just honest about what he is as a quarterback. I don't know why that's such a tough thing. Like, the guy has – he's fine, but he's not a, a franchise guy. You said it. Like, he's just not. He never was. He, he has his moments, but but he's flawed. Uh, you know, which – Yes. I mean, uh, could I mean aren't we all? Everybody <laughs> in uh, athletics, but – but it was unfortunate that uh, he, he just wasn't quite it. And, and I think, you know, the uh, people in Tennessee have sort of discovered that. Although, I mean, he's done well over there, has he not? It was a shocker when he turned out to actually be a good quarterback after being with the quarterback whisperer, which is why it's so strange to sit there and act like you're some kind of football expert. 
where people are telling you that Adam Gase is the guy. If if he can't make this guy a better quarterback, nobody can, right? The minute he gets away from Gase, he's great. <laughs> Gase leaves in disgrace. And, uh, yeah, wow, I mean, uh, I, I can't believe the guy was here four years. But but we never knew he had those eyes, did we, Luby? No, no. Where did he get those eyes that he had at the Jet press conference when uh, literally he looked like he was hanging out with Aaron Rodgers down there uh, in, uh, where, where was it, uh, Peru, where we was hanging out? Doing the peyote buttons. Where were we? Was it Aruba? Where was it? That's it was good, some, the some desert exotic somewhere. location <laughs> that you have to get to by camel. I mean, come on. <laughs> You're hearing drums in the background. I mean, uh, you know, smoke signals are the means of communication. And there's Aaron Rodgers, NFL MVP quarterback. What <laughs> <laughs> any all-time greats? Hey, I'll have some of that. Raj hasn't said anything about that, has he? Uh, Roger Goodell? Nope. Not one word. Well, this, this Josh Gordon has to be just screaming, oh absolutely Lord. seething mad. Thinking, uh, here's Aaron Rodgers uh, looking like the second coming of Timothy Leary. And, uh, you know, this guy has been suspended like half, more than half his career because he smoked a couple of joints. Got to be kidding me. Ricky crucified. Ricky Williams crucified. But not a peep. Nothing said by uh, the NFL offices. They're, they're not at all concerned that uh, Aaron Rodgers is on psychedelic drugs. No, they haven't made a mention. Zero concern? He openly Nothing. admits to it, too. That's what's great. Like, the weed people yeah. are like, ah, oh, I didn't do weed. He's like, yeah, I was on everything. Peyote, LSD, acid. It was a good time. <laughs> Thank God for LSD. <laughs> you kids? <laughs> Guy's showing up with a syringe in his arm. I mean. <laughs> what the fuck? Just uh, crazy stuff, right? That guy, uh, Robbins, had nothing on, uh, and uh, you know, he had, this, you know, serious mental illness issues. This guy's just uh, inducing it himself, but, uh, you know, Raj doesn't care, right? Because he's seen the light. He became a better player. <laughs> so uh, why wouldn't Raj give a flying one about that? Inconsistency. That, that's the thing that fans get the most upset about, isn't it? Yep. Just the inconsistent uh, behavior that's uh, taking place. Meanwhile, the umpires are going more and more blind. <laughs> Guys are getting thrown out right and left, uh, right and left uh, in in baseball games all around uh, the big leagues. And, and some of the calls, really, I mean, just atrocious. Uh, Aaron Boone ha had a good beef uh, yesterday. I mean, uh, some of these uh, ball and strike calls in the St. Louis game. Just, just, I mean, you watch and say, how could the guy make the same blown call? Like, three? at least he was consistent. I guess people always say that about officials. Well, as long as they're consistent. Well, if you're consistently bad, though, I mean, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna it's time lie. to seek replacement. <laughs> See, I'm not going to lie. I'm actually doing the coaching thing, and we finally finished our season. We yeah. lost the semis game. We won the third place game, so we finished third place. The reason we lost the semi game, and I had the league guy there because the team we were playing had literally, and, and we didn't even talk about this. So before my first round playoff game, this team is uber physical. Like, the kids punch. The kids kick. Like, stuff I've never seen yeah. in basketball. Wow. So the other team got so sick of it that at the end of the game, the parents fought. The parents got on the court. And oh, yeah? I'm surprised it wasn't on SportsCenter. Like, they were fist fighting. Oh, I the love parents. This. Yeah. So wow. I thought it was just crazy parents because my parents are really good, but a lot of these teams, the parents are insane. Like, they're really crazy. Come to find out, no, the parents were sick of the kids punching their kids and the refs doing nothing about it that they lost it. And I, I sort of can't be mad at them about it. So we played that team that did all the punching in the semis. We talked about it before the game. I gave the ref a heads up. Didn't matter. <laughs> they were punching and kicking my kids the whole game. Refs were never calling it. My kids would look at a kid. they call a foul. I'm looking at the league guy who's next to me. He's like, you're right. You're not wrong. Like, it's the old dude who was by himself, but there's nothing I can do. So we lost because of that, like 100%. And 
like this guy eventually got suspended. So it's like what I've learned from refereeing. You think there is betting on these games? I, that's what Shirley thinks. Shirley thinks that the no, it's possible because uh, that was a big thing in South Florida <laughs> where they were betting on like Pop Warner football. There was like some betting ring that was busted up by Nick Navarro. Shirley was like, Who's and, and, and they you? were sending in big money on, the, on like high school football. I don't know. <laughs> Crazy shit. Yeah. But what I've learned is, I actually, if a ref's bad, at least be bad both ways, right? Like, because he was letting my team get away with murder, I probably wouldn't have cared yeah. that much. But they would kill my team. My team would flick a guy, and they'd call the foul, and the other team wouldn't get it. So I, I'd rather you be good, but at least if you're going to be bad, be bad both ways, which is never the case. It's usually bad I, one I way. I would say this, though. <laughs> you're expecting too much there. You, you've got the bar set too high because, uh, <laughs> in my experience, uh, recreational basketball referees were far and away the worst officials oh, yeah. <laughs> ever. I mean, uh, I mean, just doing things that, that defied all logic in addition to being blind and, uh, you know, usually with a heavy bias one way or the other. Yeah. And, and they love to call three seconds, which, uh, you know, that, that was always <laughs> That's a thing. stupid call. <laughs> they love to call three seconds, which you never see called anywhere. Never. But, uh, you know, uh, listen, if it's blatant after a while, like my friend David Glazer that I've talked about that used to just hang in the lane. And you're like, you got to step out of there once in a while, man. You can't just hang out under the basket and then call every foul. I mean, that's disgusting when that happens, right? The guy is parked in the lane. You have no choice but at some point but to bump into the guy because he's not even supposed to be there. And uh, then anytime they go up with a shot that had no chance, not even a prayer of going in, I got it, I got it. Oh, no, no way. But, oh, no. That, and that's in a self-calling thing. When you get to recreational referees, as was the case when I was uh, playing in that, I guess it was a 30 and over uh, league at the David Posnack Jewish Center oh, many geez. years ago. This was, I mean, it first opened up. They had a nice little indoor court and, and uh, a fairly well-run league. But the worst officials, right, where, where you would get fouled during a shot, the shot would go in, but they would not count the basket and send you to the line. <laughs> That's not possible, right? If I'm fouled in the act of shooting and the shot goes in, then it counts. Yes. But but you couldn't explain it to these uh, guys. I mean, they're the simplest of rules. And uh, they would, you know, uh, let blatant travels go like they were NBA officials. And then at the same time, call some ticky-tack bullshit. Yep. You know, like like an eight-second violation, <laughs> even though it was like 8.1 seconds, and you finally got the ball over the stripe, but it took them four seconds to hand you the ball, and they counted that in the first place. Yep. Yeah. No, no. Uh, recreational uh, basketball officials, probably the worst. I, I, I You know, sh- should we have more respect for these people or uh, just expect oh, that no, they I lost actually it. have some small level of competence? Oh, no, I lost it. The guy, because he's, he's ref for years, and I guess he runs the ref. I guess they work with a ref company, and he yep. runs it. But he's been doing it for 20 years, and the guy's, I think, in his 70s. So I, I said to him, I'm like, dude, that was horrible what you just did. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you were calling double dribble on my team and letting them walk with it. <laughs> like, pick. What, what would constitute a double dribble in this eight-year-old league, where you double. bounce the ball and pee on it at the no, same time? No, 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 they, he no. He was calling, like, my one kid's really good, but he will dribble and pick it up in the game constantly. Oh, okay, yeah, well. And that's fine, that's illegal, but the other team would run with it. And he wouldn't call it. I'm like, you know, they're the that's same what, call. That's what my dog does every time I attempt to play <laughs> basketball with Skippy. He double dribbles. Skip, Skip, come on. You got to keep the dribble come on, going. Skip. You got to leave the ball. Oi, vey. Yeah, but I mean, your expectation was too high. Way if you're expecting high. any level of uh, competent officiating in a recreational game at any age, it doesn't matter if they're like little kids or. You know, adults, I, I've always found the officiating to be, uh, you know, 
not even borderline atrocious, just completely. You're expecting the dumbest calls possible. And you'll be able to talk about them over a few beers maybe later if you can get over yourself and realize that uh, who cares if you lost a game at the David Posnick <laughs> Center when you were 32 years old. As long as I had 30 and it shows up in the box score. Exactly. In, uh, well, what is that uh, paper? It's not Shalom today. What the heck? Uh, the Jewish Journal. The Jewish Journal. The Jewish Journal. <laughs> it would be in the Jewish Journal. <laughs> I wanted to make the box score in the Jewish Journal. That was one of my goals as a oh recreational basketball player. So I would cherry pick like I was Pavel Burry playing for the Panthers and uh, just hang out at the other end of the basket. They'd, they'd fire it down the court, small court, boom. The corner was only about a 17, 18-footer, boom, all day long. Never uh, looked to uh, anybody under the basket or anything of that nature because uh, you wanted to have like a, maybe even a little headline there in a Jewish journal, DeForest goes for 31. <laughs> Team loses by six. That was your dream <laughs> to be on the front of the Jewish. Like gym. I was Kareem Abdul, <laughs> like, the one Jafar. like the one hundred point. You hold of the thing. <laughs> there it is. Um, all right. Speaking of which, and, and uh, this is uh, for our good friend Jim Sarney, who's always uh, you know citing television listings and what's on TV. And I, I, I'm going to uh, speculate as to uh, this, uh, Luby, and I believe this to be true. Mm-hmm that the second most crooked sport in the history of all sports is about to become fully in focus on ESPN over the next several weeks. And that would be, I mean, the number one most crooked sport, obviously, is the Tour de France. No? No. Is there anybody there that isn't on the juice, right? (laughs) Nobody. They hand out syringes (laughs) as you're going out for the time trial. Just Okay, go ahead. Nobody could do this. Nobody's riding a bicycle up the incline of the Pyrenees unless they're on something. Maybe, uh, you know, psychedelic drugs would be more appropriate. But, uh, you know, you're going to pull both hamstrings before you get three feet up. (laughs) They're riding straight up in the air. I mean, please, give me a break on that. Uh, Second most crooked sport in uh, the universe. (laughs) Synchronized swimming. (laughs) No, I mean, uh, you would think maybe. I'm sure it's not on the level. Uh, <laughs> synchronized synchronized swimming. Swimming. Like, you're like, uh-oh. oh, there has to be some Suzette. Suzette. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's Little League Baseball. Oh. Second oh, most yeah. crooked sport, no? When they do the World Series and they have the 25 year old. Yeah. <laughs> like he drove there with his kids. <laughs> yeah, he's got a ZZ top beard and he, he's uh, got a bat that, like, uh, you know, would make Nelly like Fox's bat look like a toothpick. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's schlepping that up to the plate. And, uh, you know, I mean, and uh, the same guy also is pitching and throwing balls at the equivalent of 110 miles an hour. (laughs) And these poor little kids, these poor little schminks from uh, like Fresno are going up against this guy from Long Island who has also got mob connections. See, that's the thing. uh, It's not every team. You'll get the teams from like Kansas or like Kentucky where they're like on the level. And then the teams from New York come. Yeah. (laughs) They're union workers. Like Staten Island. When they had Danny El Monte. <laughs> he drove his car out there, you know, and he had a better car than, uh, you know, the president of the Little League. Exactly. Unbelievable. All right. So, hey, hey, Mac, you're in my space, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, hey, Danny, you pitching tonight? I think you won three innings last night. Is that okay? And, and those cockamamie rules where a guy, you know, can only pitch a certain number of innings, that, that, that's all bogus, too. The whole thing's may want to joke. stupid. Does every kid have to play in uh, the Little League World Series? I don't Does think every so. kid have to play? Uh, right? I don't think so. I don't think that's like recreation rules. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting because there's usually one team from America where the smallest kid on the team looks like A-Rod when he was uh, coming out of high school. <laughs> exactly. 
It's usually the Northeast. I'm not trying to be mean. It's usually the North Boston or like New York, yeah, Philly. Yeah. <laughs> They're all wearing memorials to uh, Whitey Bulger. <laughs> Because uh, some of his people are sponsoring the team there. <laughs> some of them have already done time. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, they're doing spit, chewing tobacco. They have that tat on their thing of their, their number. Got like a prison tattoo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, that, that's uh, going to be all over ESPN, Little League Baseball. So uh, Now, is that the exploitation of kids by yes. ESPN? Is it good for them? What do you think? All know. of this Little League Baseball that they have on there. They've done it my I whole life. Like it, uh, they have like the guy's favorite sandwich. Uh, Mayo will appreciate this. It's like a peanut butter and jelly. And uh, you're thinking, how old is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Eight years old, 47 pounds. His mother's in the crowd there, and she's a babe. And uh, that's the only reason that you're watching this shit. Right? <laughs> I loved Little League Baseball when I was I uh, playing it. it. I, I didn't start out playing Little League Baseball because I lived in Brooklyn. There was no Little League. And then uh, at 11, I moved to Long Island, and I couldn't believe it, right? We're wearing uniforms to school if you had a game that day. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, it was so exciting to uh, be part of uh, some kind of organized baseball. Uh, officiating in that wasn't exactly on the level either, I would have to say. And it was always the coach's son who uh, was horrible but would end up playing shortstop and leading off. Like, <laughs> really? <laughs> you couldn't really scream about it, could you? Because uh, then uh, you might compromise your chances of playing. I actually wanted to be like a catcher back then when I first came in a little late. But uh, then I realized it was too much pain associated with the job <laughs> and not enough glamour, right? Pitchers were getting the chicks, the home run yeah, pitcher. Yeah, you want to be a pitcher yeah. or first base? That's really the move. It's easy. And the catching job should have been for the fat kid. That's no? what I was going to say. I don't know if yeah. we ever had a kid that wasn't the fat kid do catcher. That could be the name of my book when I put it together. Fat Kid in Right Field. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Because <laughs> there was always the fat kid in right field. That's, uh, 100%. That's where that originated. Now, you don't see that in modern-day Little League. They got guys that play like Roger Maris out there. Yep, yep. I mean, how is this possible that these kids are not good? Plus, uh, you know, to run the first base, relatively short. I'm amazed they throw anybody out on a ground ball. It's kind of like, oh, what, the same distance? Well, did they use Little League distance for the bases in uh, women's softball? How far are the bases apart? I don't there? think so. <laughs> what are the bases? Professional like softball in little league. Little league? <laughs> I hope the little league pitching softball. distance wasn't much to navigate. I know it's either. a joke. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like a joke. Yeah, I don't know how any of these kids get a hit, but uh, that's coming up. Uh, and and uh, I'm looking at the schedule here. Jim Sarney, I love that. It starts at like 9 a.m. with the New England Regional, oh, Maine versus Massachusetts. When did he get to the juicy teams here? Now you got some southern teams. Are they on a? They can't be legit. These southern teams because they don't know when these kids were born or who they were born to. That are playing on the uh, southern little league teams. Is that an unfair stereotype? What do you I think? I, I maybe. I, I mean, Andy was referencing your your or your cousin or something last week <laughs> talking about, and he was he was talking about like Virginia, not Virginia. What was he talking about? He was talking about somewhere that's not even that south. I'm like, what is yeah. what are you talking about? That's not West Virginia. So I don't know. <laughs> I leave that to you. All right, so there are no less than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games of Little League Baseball on ESPN. Oh, Jesus. Imagine that. You would think it was like Christmas Day and it was yeah, the NBA. It was NBA. <laughs> <laughs> How much of this shit can you watch? I mean, uh, you know, it, it does give you some throwback memories to being in the Little League. So 
You know, and, and, and that was fun. Uh, you know, it was a glamorous period of uh, time, right, where you would show up, literally show up to school in your, in your Little League uniform, even though the game was going to be probably, what, 12 hours later, something like that. Uh, you know, they, they played, uh, you know, night games. It was unbelievable. You're playing under the lights. It's fantastic. Uh, no fence, though, too. I always liked that. So, that, like, if you hit a ground ball and it went through the shortstop's oh, legs, it also, you know, cleared the gap between the left and center fielder who were confused. They would end up colliding, and the ball would roll all the way to the school. It was one of my favorite things uh, that occurred in Little League Baseball. doesn't happen at Williamsport, though. It's Williamsport, right? Not Williamsburg. Williamsburg is a thing out of Brooklyn where uh, a lot of Hasidic uh, Jews were living. All right, um, we're, we're coming back with more here. Uh, Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby, Lubitz, the Defoe Show. Uh, the Gambling Gourmet has his own show, 12 o'clock. It's a big hit, especially with the Let's Eat South Florida crowd. So as you might imagine, and I, I don't know what adventures he had over the weekend, Mike Mayo. He, he said, and you'll find this surprising, Luby, that he was going to go into a complete 48-hour degenerate mode, as he had done the previous weekend. And then he told us a horrible story to the point where, uh, you know, Big Al doesn't have a weak stomach, and, and uh, both of us had to just tell him to stop. No, really? With what? His medical exam. Oh, no. What? Yeah, he, it's so weird because he keeps bringing it up. He's like, I, won't, I don't want to tell you the graphic. I'm like, thank you. Like, why do you have to say that part? Like, were you going to tell me it the It would be appropriate on the lunch bus. <laughs> it would not. But I'm saying, like, who would? Like, he really wants to tell us the ordeal. I don't want to know. Yeah. I love the man. I'm glad uh, he's okay. Yeah, he got into some detail there. And, uh, I don't want it. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Bruce want, Willis. Probably like, had a better time. Like, why? Don't tell me. <laughs> don't. It's okay. I don't need to know. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, we're coming back with more. Uh, there's a lot of football uh, on tap also. so um, and, and I don't know what to make of it. The, the Dolphins are favored in their preseason opener on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, Jesus. What do you make of that? <laughs> I have no Is idea. Is that Mike McDaniel trying to establish a winning attitude? Is that the thinking of the people that are going to be wagering on this shit? No, please. Well, preseason football. No, no, no. Do you have a better chance of of winning a preseason game? Here's a good survey question. A better chance of winning a bet on a preseason game, a regular season game, or uh, there really is no difference in betting the, the, you know, you have a 50-50 chance. It's 50-50 chance no matter what, but I I just feel like handicapping-wise, what do you – I just don't know what you're handicapping. I mean, unless you're one of these guys that knows college football so well that you know the third-string guy that's going to be the starter in this game, like to me – I, I, it's, it, the Greek loves it, and we'll get the Greek on. I'll get him on this week, so he can. He loves talking preseason, and I just I don't get it. Like I try to watch it, and it, it, every year it lets me down. <laughs> it frustrates the crap out of me. Every there, year. there are people that, that that can't wait for, for these preseason games because uh, they consider it an annuity. So uh, what's uh, up with the Ravens? That would be the one thing. Now, do they finally like uh, go in another direction, as they say in radio? <laughs> and start losing these preseason games because they, they've been dynamite under John Harbaugh. Seems to have some kind of uh, uh, priority about winning preseason games, which most coaches uh, really don't care, although they pretend to care. Uh, the Ravens are four-point favorites over the Tennessee Titans in, in their uh, preseason opener, which is Thursday night. It's one of two games on Thursday night, so uh, many people will be counting the days here we are, Monday. They, they can't wait to get to Thursday. Let's get rid of Tuesday, Wednesday, straight to Thursday to see the Patriots and the Giants. Wow, this Brian Dayball says uh, he, he's going to play some of his starters in that first preseason game. That was the big headline today in the New York Post uh, when they got to the coverage of the Giants. Starters will see playing time in the preseason opener. 
What do you think? Would you play a starter at any time? I, I get. Do you Not have to? Thing. I mean, how much rehearsal do these guys need if they're every day together in practice? Do they really need to go out there and play a game? What do you think? I, Should they just eliminate the preseason altogether? I'm, I altogether. Mean, it's fine, but then take it seriously. Like, I don't know what to do with it. Like, have two games and have them play. Like, I, this stuff where now the guys don't play the entire preseason. Like, you hear about it before. So-and-so won't play the entire preseason. It's like, then how important is it? If your best players don't even try to play there, then have camp and you figure out your backups. Like, have something that will get to see something worthwhile or don't have it. Yeah. Dayball, starters will get time on Thursday night. Maybe a new philosophy of preseason playing time will break the streak of miserable regular season starts by the Giants. I'm like miserable. <laughs> the well, they're a lousy right? team. I mean, I mean so they're horrible, they get off to lousy fun. starts. They get off to lousy starts. They're lousy in the middle of the season, and they're lousy at the finish. At least that couldn't be said about your Miami Dolphins, Mike Luby Lubitz. Your Miami Dolphins did, I mean, a noble job of redeeming themselves from the most horrendous starts in the history of the NFL. I mean, you have to go all the way back to leather helmets before you could find something as atrocious as the Dolphins' start under Brian Flores in year number one of his coaching tenure here. But when uh, they were 0-7, and, I mean, they, they were just so bad. I mean, there was talk of contraction. Never mind Stephen Ross selling the team. Just get rid of the team. Go with 29. What, what do we need 30 teams for if one of them is going to play like this? <laughs> it was awful. I, I mean, you could have brought a CFL team in, a Canadian Football League team in, and, and they probably could have done as well or better than the Miami Dolphins did in those first uh, many games. Under Flores, and then they come back and they win, win five of their last nine. That, that was amazing. Yep. Amazing with Fitzpatrick throwing the ball. The guy, I mean, he was clearly a shot fighter years before, but he goes out there and he's he's having such a good time. And these guys are making miracle plays. Devonte Parker looked like a real guy. I mean, it was incredible. Now with the Patriots, watch out, nice, baby. Right now. He's their number one threat. It's like, thank God, works <laughs> for me. <laughs> Mac Jones over under twenty three and a half touchdown passes. Oh, or this over. Year. I mean, to... look, they over. Yeah, I I, th- I think that assessment's right. I think they're going to be worse, and I think he'll he'll be okay. Like, I don't think he sucks. I just don't think he's like this lighted on fire guy. I think he's an average starter career backup. Is what I think Mac Jones is. How do you feel about like a defensive guy? You know, somebody that's been on a defensive uh, end of things his entire career, all of a sudden becoming like the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I don't... Doesn't look, that strike you as being a little bit weird? Look, we've seen I mean, these guys know every end of the game. If you're great defensively, yeah. look, Bill Belichick for all the cheating. I mean, Matt and, Patricia, right, with the pencil in his yeah, hand. Yeah. I mean, I always liked that because it looked like he was one of the guys used to work at the grocery store yep. that I went to in Brooklyn, right? Yep. But he would add everything up on the brown paper bag. Boy, talk about that prehistoric loopy. Imagine this. Never mind self-checkout. You're gonna have the guy used to take a pencil out of his ear there, and they would write down 29 cents, $1.38. Cents. <laughs> Jesus and then draw a line under it and do long addition, oh carry God. over the six, <laughs> and you'd give the guy like seventeen fifty for like six bags of groceries. <laughs> Walk out of there like this, one on your head as you were walking back to your place. Not the case anymore, right? No, no. But Patricia, yeah, he had the pencil in his ear, and I always loved that because uh, it was a throwback thing with me. And uh, yet he, he was supposed to be this defensive genius. Horrendous. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, genius is easily eclipsed by signing on with the Lions. Yes. <laughs> it, 
it's like signing your own death warrant, uh, you know, in terms of your career. You're going back to being an assistant, and you will never be a head coach again anywhere. I don't know. Is that true? Lions coaches? Yeah. They I mean, go there to die, don't they? I mean, Caldwell what... was actually good as a coach and can't get another gig. Yeah. Because of the Lions That could thing. be another issue. Yeah. It could be a black guy thing, but still, the Lions thing doesn't really endear you to the rest of the league. <laughs> they usually stay away from you're you. You're doomed to failure. I mean, no matter what kind of personnel they have there, you're, you're never going anywhere. Super Bowl, forget about it, right? I mean, uh, you, you would have a better chance of uh, resurrecting sales of the Edsel <laughs> than trying to win a Super Bowl in Detroit. What was wrong with the Edsel? I don't remember I exactly. Don't, I don't know the Edsel. Is it kind of like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Way before my time. Uh, what is that? The Hindiger, uh, you know, uh, the uh, you know the blimp that was too big? Hindenburg. Hindenburg. Hindenburg, Hindenburg. yeah, yeah. What am I talking about? I'm thinking about a lineman from the Saints. Exactly. Uh, all right. All right. We're coming back with more. David uh, Faronis, uh, outstanding young gentleman. Uh, I really like David, and uh, he's done a great job. Uh, Lumi uh, first uh, came in contact with David Faronis when he was covering the Hurricanes yes. for the South Florida Sun Sentinel, and, mm-hmm. and then he, he got promoted up to the Dolphins beat, which I'm assuming is a promotion, right? You're on the pro level. I mean, that's yeah, fantastic. So. So he, he's been out there sniffing it out at training camp. We'll get some insight into the local team here and uh, see what he thinks. Uh, all all raves coming out of Dolphins training camp about uh, Tua and his ability to throw the bomb, my friends. The bomb. That was the one thing, I mean, that he just did not have. Well, a couple of things. But, um, yeah, people were very concerned. Did he have the arm? Did he have uh, the accuracy? And uh, it could be a question of did he have the time, Luby? The time. Exactly. Which uh, we will address here in just a second. I want to tell you about Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, though. And uh, that's Mile Marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. Uh, just a great spot. Uh, a lot of people heading down to the Keys there, uh, making it, uh, a little staycation here. And, and it's, it's such a nice getaway, right? Uh, even from the stifling heat and humidity that we experience. I mean, uh, just a couple of hours I spent on a beach yesterday. Fantastic. You get a whole different vibe down there in the Florida Keys. It's great. And, and nobody is able to present that. I mean, they, they serve it up on a platter, that good vibe, at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. And the other thing they serve up is a lot of outstanding food, great cocktails, great atmosphere. On the base side, you see the pictures when we run the uh, ad for Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill with the great John Kajemi, who we're uh, hoping to have back uh, on the program here pretty soon here. Where, where is, is, is I think Kajemi next dodging, week. I'm looking for dodging next week. the draft? Yeah. <laughs> where is he, Canada? I, I think next week we're going to have Kajemi Man back on, on Mondays. All right. All right, that'll be good because we love John. And he, he's thorough, though. I mean, uh, where, where we... I tend to make my observations very quickly based on very little data and uh, input. But, I mean, I, I think I have a little bit of an eye for it sometimes, right? Luby, we've come up with some shit uh, over the years. That, that surprised a lot of people. Not much, but... Uh, so. <laughs> I was going to say, it wasn't a lot. Don't, <laughs> don't fool Most them. of it's been total bullshit, like our uh, selection of Jacksonville and the under in a Hall of Fame game. So far, we're 0-2. That's not a good start, is it? I feel like the Marlins. <laughs> I feel like Don Manningly. Just uh, why don't you start the season with like uh, that, that's what the Dolphins could have done, uh, you know, during the Flores uh, tenure. Just start the season like 0 and 5. Here you go. Don't even play these games. You're 0 and 5. Come in in <laughs> week number six. And see what you can they do. Just make you. <laughs> it would have been great. Anyway, I mean, you can forget about all those problems and, and uh, anything that's going on in your life is going to be turned around like a complete epiphany type of turnaround like Aaron Rodgers had with uh, the thing in Peru. 
where you open your eyes and all of a sudden it's a whole new day and you see life through a different perspective rose-colored glasses as you're down there in the Keys, soaking it all in and getting great food and drink at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. That's mile marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo, just a little south of Florida City, Luby. You saw how quickly we got there. You're like in Florida City, and then all of a sudden, there it is, on the right. I said on the right. Yep, yep. And you're like kind of, I don't know that it sneaks up on you, but if you're looking for it, once, you know what you could do? I mean, from about 10 miles out, you could follow the aroma. Of like the Italian fisherman pizza and some of the other stuff that comes out of the kitchen there that Dominic Kajemi has created. And, uh, wow, I mean, uh, very, very unique in terms of Keys Dining. Great accommodations also. Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill.com. Tell you all about that. Larry Calvano, what a great job. Live music all the time there. I, I don't know. Do they do that during the week also? This is just a weekend. They, they rolled in, you know, like four different bands while yep. I was there during the course of the day. That, that was kind of nice, too. Yep. So, you know, you're not, uh, you know, hearing that same guy drunk from the pool going, Joy to the world, please. Joy to the world. <laughs> really? Again? You just played that. <laughs> that was a big thing at bar mitzvahs and weddings when I was in uh, union bands in New York there, right? They'd send you on, okay, I need a drummer in Freeport. So as long as you knew Joy to the world, you were, you were okay, man. They thought you were Ringo Starr. It was great. Uh, anyway, uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. You'll, you'll get into goofy moods and have a good time there because uh, you can really chill out. That's what it's all about there. Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill, mile marker 104, the Overseas Highway in Key Largo. All right, David Fronis right around the corner here. We'll get into a little dolphin mania on the program. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitsch. You sound a lot better. Thank God. Since you made the switch. <laughs> Trust me, out. I, I feel bad for my wife now. She's bitched about the internet before. I was like, ah, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. And she does her job there, and it's all on the internet. <laughs> Where were you, you know, dialing in from? I was in her office. Prison? It's just an yeah. office. Like, it, you should be, it, the thing's down here, but still, like, it should it should work within the home. Like, I feel yeah. really bad for her now. I'm like, oh, we shit. We could have got a better signal, literally, from Brittany Griner. <laughs> Victor Boot for Brittany Griner. My God, the merchant of death. It's so stupid. And, and believe me, I, I am a thousand percent behind the yeah, U.S. getting uh, these uh, people out of Russian prisons. I mean, uh, especially in these cases where one guy, I don't know, he either claims he did nothing or he was working for the government. Why don't they care about him? Never did, right? His it's parents would call. Uh, you want to talk to Joe Biden? Hey, Joe. <laughs> I got some lunatic <laughs> on like the phone. Says her son's in prison in Russia. They're laughing. Joe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Such a joke. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, uh, we're coming back with more uh, with David Ferronis in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 8.32. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hialeah Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. Hey, folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, 
from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. On the local scene, the Heat, of course, making changes. I I read a very encouraging article about the Heat's prospects. Not to win the championship so much, but to at least be a very, very big factor in the Eastern Conference, Mike Lubilowicz. You'll be happy to note that uh, somebody actually agreed with your opinion. A lot of people said that. They have an interesting team. and Like you said, they're the toughest team in the NBA. You wouldn't want to meet this team down an alley. No, I mean, (laughs) this... A team that's going to treat everybody the way Tyson treated Mitch Blood Green <laughs> if they meet in an alley. The best way to kick off your day is with Defo plus Luby. We now return to the Defo Show. All right, welcome back to the show, the uh, Defoe Show here with Mike Luby Lubitz on South Florida Live, Jeff DeForest and uh, Mike Luby Lubitz with you. And uh, we uh, bring on, and and he became one of our favorites here uh, on the programs uh, that we've been doing over the years, whatever platform we happen to be uh, using as an outlet at the time, and uh, always very informative, and and he's had his eye on everything that's happening in the Dolphins training camp. So uh, with a little preview, uh, we go to uh, David Ferronis, uh, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, uh, one of the Dolphin beat writers for the Sun Sentinel. Or did you ace that other guy out? Are, are you the only guy on the beat now, uh, David Fronis? How are you, by the way, my friend? <laughs> I'm doing well. Always a flattering introduction from you guys. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, o- o- Omar Kelly is on his way out. My, my colleague, uh, he's taking a tremendous opportunity with uh, I Am Athlete, an up-and-coming uh, uh, media platform. Uh, um, I know a bunch of their videos have, have gone viral. Their interviews, uh, Randy Marshall and Chad Johnson. So he's joining there full time. Uh, so for a little while, I'll be alone. I mean, I'll have uh, Dave Hyde uh, back writing some columns, I'm sure. And, uh, and and we'll be uh, we'll be making a move for another Dolphins columnist uh, pretty soon here. Uh, I would imagine before uh, before week one, before the NFL season gets started. All right, we have our first preseason game. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, different things being said. Uh, and the uh, uh, the atmosphere, I, I guess, and uh, the word that, that is coming out of this Dolphins training camp, I mean, it's always a time for optimism, uh, you know, in any sport before the actual season gets underway. But uh, so far, we've been hearing nothing but raves 
Um, is this an overreaction? Uh, you know, and, and people want to, you know, react to positive things. That's understandable. Fans uh, get excited about it. Uh, the press is usually somewhat cynical, though. But uh, what, what are you seeing there, David Faronis? Is Tua all of a sudden uh, a new man? Did he have an epiphany in the offseason? And uh, what, what do you make of what's going on uh, through the practice session so far leading up to this thing against Tampa Bay on Saturday? I wouldn't go as far as saying an epiphany. I think he has uh, compounded some of the, the things that he we already knew he was good at at the quarterback position and then uh, trying to fix a lot of the things that we saw were lacking in his game, whether it be the, uh, the, the deep passing, which now we see a little bit more with, uh, with Tyree Kill and him connecting with that for that 60 yards in the air, bomb over the top of the defense. Uh, that, that went viral last weekend and uh, just the more consistency in the deeper throws, the, the ones that require a little more zip on the pass. Uh, he's always had the accuracy, anticipation, and uh, being able to deal with the blitz, make decisions on the fly. He had to last season with uh, that offensive line that was blocking for him. But uh, now he, he should have improvements all around him. The team, uh, it, it's really uh, something that, that crossed over from the offseason where you're adding the playmakers on offense and then the running game and uh, Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson at wide receiver, uh, the trio of running backs, Mike McDaniel's system, uh, Mike McDaniel's support in, in his quarterback that uh, Tua felt he never really had from uh, from Brian Flores and, and his regime. Uh, so it's kind of a culmination of, of these things that have been put together in favor of, uh, of Tua and the offense and and now we will see if it comes to fruition uh, against other opponents. Uh, starting with some exhibition games, or you know he'll get uh, a few series uh, for the first two games, and then the third preseason game, it's all backups. And then uh, pretty soon here in about a month, it, it really gets going. Okay, so David, I understand it's just camp and it's just practice. I'd be the first person to say that, good or bad. But it feels like if two. <laughs> was missing these passes, we would be seeing it on SportsCenter. So, uh, like you just said, you know, we have to see it against other live competition, but it's not like Zayvon Howard is dogging it out there, and it's not like Javon Holland is not giving his best. Like, we're seeing him. The pass he threw yesterday was pretty ridiculous. Like, in coverage, Zayvon Howard, Javon Holland, 40 yards down the field, in stride to Tyreek Hill. Like, that's one that is an NFL in-game throw. What is most interesting to me is I actually believe he could do all this stuff, and I thought it was funny when people were questioning. What's interesting to me is his personality. This is a guy we have not seen, the guy that's going back and forth with reporters, the guy that is owning his abilities, the guy that's a little bit more confident and a little bit more braggadocious, to be brutally honest. I mean, is that something you guys have noticed, that Tua's persona is a little bit different now than we've seen in the past? Right, absolutely. And uh, and a quick note on that throw, it, which was – Phenomenal. Now it was ruled out of bounds by the official. Oh, it was. I know oh, a lot funny. of the. Yes, yeah, I, I, yeah. The, the, the official, the official there was was waving his hands uh, toward the sideline, like uh, like he'll step out on one of uh, his steps as he came down with it. But uh, I, but still, nonetheless, still the, the the spot on the throw was was pretty fantastic between two elite DBs and uh, Xavier Howard has already had three Pro Bowls and. Uh, Javon Holland, who's on that trajectory early in his career, going into a second season. So it's, it, that doesn't take away anything from, from the throw, uh, absolutely. But as far as his personality, yes, we, we've seen it. And uh, Mike McDaniel talked about early in OTAs and some others about uh, him starting to let his guard down. And then uh, some of us, well, we hadn't seen that yet, so maybe a little skeptical. But then all of a sudden, next time he's uh, in front of us, in, in front of a microphone with the media scrum uh, after a, a practice, 
then we start to see he's joking around. He's uh, throwing jabs at his critics and uh, the, the Twitter warriors, as he calls them. And, uh, you know, talking about uh, a throw in practice. He says, I don't know, but that looked like money to me. And he, he's letting this, uh, like you said, braggadocious, this confidence uh, about him uh, kind of to exude. And, uh, and I think it's translating onto the field. He's, he's playing like it as well. He, he's not playing timid and like uh, uh, like there's this cloud over him. Uh, and I don't want to say maybe the first two years that we saw, but uh, definitely now you see him kind of like he, he freed uh, something off of him and, and now he's playing more freely. You think it was uh, the revelation that he had as a secret family? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that helped or told him Cologne uh, when he was with the Mets. Uh, you know, then all of a sudden family. we found out he was uh, living both in Bronx and Queens uh, boroughs uh, at the time with different families. But uh, who knew this guy was married, uh, David? Where did that come from? Boy, um, I know it started as a internet rumor because a photo floated around, uh, a fan photo of him on a golf course or something where um, yeah. he had a, a wedding band and, and everyone said, well, wait a minute, he's married? And, uh, then people started uh, looking around, and uh, finally, then it, it got leaked out, and uh, by going through uh, documents and, and such. And uh, I, I know he wanted to; he preferred to, to keep it out of uh, public knowledge. Uh, he wanted to keep that private, but uh, it came out, and <laughs> he had a. Uh, once we started talking about it, then uh, I asked him if it changed his perspective on anything. He had a, a funny uh, uh, quip to, to that. He uh, said, "Well, I guess uh, no more uh, other girls for me." So, uh, yeah. you know, even then, uh, something that he wanted to keep private, uh, he was able to, to uh, show his personality and make this a uh, quick, uh, quick witty joke about it. So uh, you see that that uh, confidence and personality coming out even then. Who was the guy from Notre Dame uh, who had the uh, make-believe girlfriend? Oh, Teo. Manti Teo. Teo. Yeah, yeah. Is, is he still around, man? Uh, that was a weird story. But uh, this one, uh, I don't know if it was quite as mystifying as uh, that turned out to be, but uh, still. Or, or is his uh, girlfriend still around? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, naturally, a, a, a quarterback in the NFL it couldn't say anything, no matter how nice of a kid he may be, uh, without uh, being scrutinized immensely, because then everybody said, well, wait a minute, what kind of guy is this? You know, his big concern about having people know he's married is that he can't uh, be, you know, uh, doing all, all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, groupies on the road. Because, you know, and, and you would think that, uh, you know, he probably got a stare down from the wife uh, after this was discovered and, and he had that line. So uh, hopefully you're not in the middle of uh, some kind of marital uh, distress between two and his bride. Uh, all right. Uh, Stephen Ross, uh, you mentioned Dave Hyde. And uh, I didn't get a chance to see this because I'm ashamed to admit it. And Mayo, Mike Mayo hates me for this. As I, I won't ante up the buck uh, for the uh, online uh, version of the Sun Sentinel. I don't know why, because it keeps popping up like somebody will post a story, social media, and then you click on it and, and you have to be a subscriber to read it. So I didn't get a chance to read uh, Dave Hyde's column uh, about Stephen Ross. But uh, what impact, if any, has that had in your perception uh, on the franchise? And uh, is it a big deal, uh, you know, as people are making it? Well, on the franchise itself, it is exactly what the, the penalties were. The, the team loses the first round pick. In the upcoming draft, another future third rounder for the following draft, the 2024 draft. Uh, Steve Ross, uh, the 1.5 million dollar fine, which uh, is a lot of money, uh, some that some of us will never see in our lives, but uh, to him, that's pretty much some change in 
Uh, he'll be suspended for a while up to mid-October. Uh, can't be around the team or NFL events. And uh, Aside from that, I don't see a, a huge impact on the here and now for the Dolphins, the current coaches, players. Uh, a lot of them weren't around uh, when uh, what was found was the tampering allegations, but the, the, the tanking allegations that weren't found to be true in 2019, a lot of them weren't around for that. So it's a new coaching staff uh, currently. Uh, led by Mike McDaniel, so a lot of the offensive coaches, it's funny, the day after it came out, then we had uh, offensive coaches that we're talking to, and uh, really there was only one that was a holdover from that era, which was the running back coach, Eric Studsville, so uh, he was the only one that getting asked really about uh, that time and said you know, nothing ever got to, to his level of uh, asking for tanking, anything like that. Um, and a lot of the players are, are, are new as well. So uh, I think the, the current team is kind of just – they saw the news when it came out. It really came out during the, that Tuesday practice last week. So a lot of them were on the field as it, it was coming down. And uh, I think I remember uh, as I'm starting to write about it and, and, and hear the news, uh, get the release. And uh, it kind of felt like the, the fans in the training camp stands, uh, the, the energy was drained from it a little bit. Uh, because everyone was uh, oohing and aahing over all these different throws and plays made by, by some of their favorite players. And then uh, kind of the energy wasn't the same after that. As as you could tell, uh, the news was spreading around the uh, the fan base there that was the present. But aside from that, I think uh, the team probably just found out once they got off the practice field uh, that day, and then they just moved forward. Uh, they're focused on training camp and uh, getting better for this season and, uh, that's really where the emphasis has been. And uh, I don't think it makes too much of an impact for uh, a lot of the players who really don't see Steve Ross that often. He'll show up at, at games, but around the facility in the past year, he hasn't really uh, been around uh, very often uh, that I've seen. Hey, it might be a jinx. Uh, you know, it's possible when he's up there in the booth, he always looks like uh, he's as despondent as if he just found out that Hudson Yards was going up in smoke <laughs> and he had no insurance on the building <laughs> there. But, uh, yeah, and, and then, you know, there's a group of guys around him, uh, which uh, some, sometimes even includes Dan Marino, and they all seem to be trying to appease him that day. Hey, listen, it ain't going to be that bad. Don't worry, Steve. <laughs> it, it'll be okay. So uh, maybe you need a little bit of a, a breather from this and the – Dolphins can possibly get off uh, for a rare change uh, in recent years uh, to, to a, a good start. Um, David Fronis of the uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel is here on uh, the Depot Show. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz. Uh, all right. Um, anything in particular? I mean, is there something that we need to see in the preseason to uh, confirm what, what Luby and I both believe should be a better season of Dolphin football? We're, we're surprised that the Las Vegas bookies, people are talking about the strength of schedule and uh, tough division, and, you know, they have the Bills. But, uh, you know, you also have the Patriots and the Jets in that division. So uh, may maybe all you need to do is split two games with the Bills, and, and you know, you can rack up five wins uh, possibly there with what seems to be a far superior roster to anything they've had in recent years. So, uh what do we need to see in a preseason? I guess, you know, one of the big question marks, or a few of them, is what the Dolphins will do with the linebacker position. Sure, yeah. Well, uh, defensively, remember, they, they kept this defense intact from, from last season. So uh, that hot stretch from the, the second half of the year that really was anchored by the defense and holding down, albeit a lot of uh, mediocre quarterbacks in that 
stretch of the schedule, still dominant uh, stretch from from the whole second half uh, that we saw. Even when they played, let's say the the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, and um, they were double digit underdogs at home on a on a, a Thursday night and, and came away with that one. But uh, having that consistency uh, uh, and continuity on defense. Uh, should help this team. Uh, in recent practices, we've seen them incorporate more of their blitzes, which I wrote about. With while uh, early in camp, there was a lot of vanilla coverages, so kind of getting closer to that in-season form that we're going to see from the defense. Uh, I, I know uh, you mentioned linebackers. Inside linebacker was a spot that a lot of people wanted to see an upgrade by for maybe a, a an established veteran to get put in there. Uh, the team didn't go that route, but kept. Uh, Landon Roberts, Jerome Baker, who can play inside and outside. Uh, uh, Channing Tindall was drafted, a rookie out of the Georgia in the third round. So he's an addition, but not an, an established veteran that, that is an immediate plug-and-play uh, to allow for that. Uh, Duke Riley also in that group uh, who can rotate in and out. Uh, and then uh, what you want to see in the preseason, I would say, well, you're going to see a, a couple of drives from, from the first-team offense probably, uh, especially first preseason game. So – to a ton of Iloa and Tyreek Hill. Let's see if they hit a big play. Let's see if uh, if Mike Kosicki gets involved in this new offense, which it, it inclines more for the tight end to be blocking in the run game. You want to see the run game work, uh, which is a staple of the Mike McDaniel offense, the outside zone scheme that uh, was so effective in San Francisco and now bring it as his own in Miami. Uh, on the offensive line, we want to see uh, Teron Armstead uh, anchor that line at left tackle and how that looks blocking up front. And then now Connor Williams, the other free agent addition that was brought in, who was a four-year guard in the NFL. He's transitioning to center. Yeah, some of his snaps have been erratic, although none so egregious to the point where uh, a ball uh, hits the ground or goes over the quarterback's head, but still enough to disrupt some plays. So you want to make sure he has that intact. And then uh, after the starters, you're going to see a lot of the backups come in and uh, start to see who are some of the guys that are making a move for those final roster spots? So that's what's really going to be exciting about these uh, this uh, preseason slate. Hey, well illustrated by uh, David Frona, South Florida Sun Sentinel on the Dolphin beat. Now the solo guy. I mean, uh, it's fantastic. A meteoric rise there uh, through the ranks at the uh, Sun Sentinel. Uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. You also mentioned one of our other favorite uh, things that you hear during the preseason uh, when you dropped in the word vanilla. Because uh, that seems to be, uh, you know, uh, the uh, post-game press conference uh, after every uh, game uh, with a losing coach. uh, Yeah, well, we were very vanilla tonight. Uh, You know, you're going to see something else when we start playing for them. So as we try to justify, uh, you know, the reason to play preseason games, period. Uh, uh, David, uh, very good job. Uh, Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, Very illuminating, as we said. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, uh, I hope, uh, and throughout the season frequently as uh, we try to track the Miami Dolphins here on uh, the Depot Show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, guys. Anytime. Uh, thanks, David. All right, David Peronis. Man. man, he rattled off some names there, Luby. Yes, sir. Holy shit. Did that guy know his stuff? That was great. <laughs> I love that Kelly is leaving. Impressed, Omar Kelly is leaving to go do the podcast full time. So there you go. See, we're not the only ones with that uh, mentality. It's a great idea if you can make it work, man. I mean, uh, you can't find a better situation. So, uh, you know, and uh, some of the technical issues today are unfortunate, but, uh, you know, pay your Internet bill. All right. uh, We're coming back with more in a moment. We'll wrap things up here on Appeal Yourself Off the Mount Monday. A lot of fun being with you. Is that true? Is Little League Baseball the second most crooked sport? 
on the planet today. And now that they're pandering to, oh, this would be good. This would be interesting. How many DraftKings and FanDuel ads will you see during the Little League baseball game? <laughs> see, it's all starting to connect back to, uh, you know, you want to snare a degenerate at, at uh, the most raw essence of his youth or her youth, okay? And, uh, you know, they're encouraging a lot of women to bet, right? Uh, and I, I believe women are, are, like, sending it in at a higher ratio. I think Sarney does sent me something about that. A higher ratio than even men at this point. That could be because they're signing. Oh, no, they're signing up more frequently. But a lot of guys had accounts, I, I guess. That, that would make a difference. And the women, of course, uh, you know, induced by uh, various bonus money that's being offered are just like, hey, what the hell, man? First bet's free. That's how they get you. All right, uh, coming back with more in a moment. Not not that we mind. I mean, we're, we're fully advocating uh, going out and betting your brains out on virtually every sporting event. It makes it a hell of a lot more interesting. That's for sure. <laughs> Sandy Alcantara at minus 275. You can get Edwin Diaz at 80 to 1 for the Cy Young. What do you think? Oh, God. Is it... Does Alcantara have a couple of poor roundings, lose favor with the uh, people that cast these ballots, and Diaz continues to strike out three guys on nine pitches every time he comes into a ball game? Is the Mets. Win the uh, National League East, and uh, wow, that's it, right? MVP 80 to 1, Diaz? He's got a leapfrog, a ton of guys on the uh, odds board there. I, I guess these guys know what they're talking about. All right, uh, back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. On the Static Fest today, it's uh, 8.55. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes, really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining, while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa, are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954 809 8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? I have sinned against you, my Lord. The only way to get your morning started is with Defoe, joined by Luby, right here on The Defoe Show.
All right, been great being with you uh, all morning long, and uh, I'm curious how much action there'll be on these Little League baseball games. Will there be a FanDuel commercial? <laughs> there has to be, right? During the course of the playing of Little League baseball, and will uh, Rob Manford be on hand to tell you, hey, listen, it's not too soon to start betting on these guys. Now, uh, would, would that force them to actually establish real uh, and verifiable and certifiable birth certificates? Is that possible? Or, I mean, how many phony birth certificates do you think are going to be involved in this year's Little League World Series? <laughs> I don't we know. Haven't, we haven't heard about that. But they provide a team with shaving cream. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's have. not to uh, make a pie. Uh, Juhang Kim. Have you heard of this guy? No. <laughs> Juhang Kim. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. They call him Tom. Tom Kim. Uh, he blisters the uh, course yesterday in uh, North Carolina. And uh, shoots a 61 to uh, run away with the Wyndham Championship. But guess who finished fifth in the field, Luby? Guess who finished fifth? One of our favorite fat guys in sports. No. Kiradesh. Shut up. Really? the Barnrat. There was He's a Barnrat sighting. Wow. A Barnrat sighting. <laughs> God. At one time, I thought this kid had some promise. But uh, there he is back all of a sudden. And, uh, wow, I bet you could have got a pretty uh, sweet price there that Affy Barnrat would be in the top five which is another way of betting golf that uh, also it's kind of like making uh, it's not really like making a show bet though Louie. what would it be like uh, i don't know boxing two horses in an exacta where uh, you know you, you put affy barnrat into the top five or you bet a guy to finish in the top five not win it but top five what do you think is that hedging your bet a little bit yeah but it's smart you, you still got a decent price though yeah you still got a decent price on stuff like that so, uh, Kiradesh Afi Barnrat. We could have laid a couple of hundred on Kiradesh Afi Barnrat. And uh, I, I don't know. Has he shed any pounds since the last time we saw him? I didn't get a chance to see any of this uh, particular golf tournament. Was it even televised or were they televising? It's only a matter of time before the networks take the Saudi money and televise the live tour without sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like the Masters that year, right? When Martha Burke was out there hollering, they're racist, they're pigs. <laughs> Oh, we knew that. I mean, uh, you know, here, Martha, have a cheese and pimento sandwich and go. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> yeah. what we'll televised the thing without commercials? We don't care. Boycott all of our sponsors. You. Exactly. What do you think, Hootie? Hootie held back at whatever press conferences. I mean, you talk about biting your tongue. What did he really want to say about Martha Burke? Will we ever know that, Mike Louie Lubitz? Did Hootie check out? I don't think so. Hootie Johnson. I don't think he died. Used to be the uh, head of uh, Augusta National. He's not now in charge anymore. Guy. Yeah, he's not in charge anymore, but he didn't die. Yeah, yeah. Is he still a member? Can he still play? <laughs> <laughs> what is a membership like when they're out? Oh, he did Augusta? die. You're, you actually were right. He died. Who did he? God, 2017. Man, he Good job. Yeah, 2017, he passed, yeah. Oh, well. Left behind <laughs> a great legacy of humanitarian <laughs> gestures. God. And understanding and warmth. Uh -huh. The concept of, uh, come on, people now, smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. All right, on that note, that, that philosophical note, we will leave you. Youngbloods, uh, that was many years ago. Good little tune there. Da -na 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 -na. That sounded like the theme for the Twilight Zone. All right, Mike Mayo coming up with the Lunchbox. Uh, the Gambling Gourmet uh, also uh, does Mike Mayo's Lunchbox here on South Florida Live. That's 12 o'clock every day, I, I believe, Friday. Tom Tanazzini, man. I mean... For me to want to schlep up to Lake Worth. I'm going. Yeah, we're going. 
I'm in, man. Oh, man. I'm going to try and get the professor involved. Part of that. Wow. I'm going to try and get the professor involved because he loves some good New Orleans fare. And if I don't bring him, he'd be mad. <laughs> so. I'm going to have to, uh, I, I got to re up my subscription or prescription for uh, endomethacin. I'm going to have oh, some of those grilled oysters. Yeah. <laughs> they look absolutely fantastic, man. You know, he does the boudin balls, which I've never even heard of. I know boudin, but boudin balls. Like, he does the whole thing. He does the po' boys. He does the whole yeah. shebang. Etouffee. I know, and Mayo, you know, I, I think he's going to stop eating like he's going to the chair. I think he, he <laughs> this medical experience gave him like a, an eye opener freaked him out. to the idea that, you know what, it's okay to get out there and, you know, play some ball. There you go. You know, just step away from the table there for a while. I mean, I should talk. I've been battling this my whole life. So, uh, you know, but I, I still like getting out there, you know, doing stuff. All right, um, we have to run. We'll see you tomorrow at uh, 7 in the a.m. Uh, we were also on the uh, Believe Podcast Network. I guess they just call it the Believe Network. That's B-L-E-A-V. We'll have some offerings uh, there, and you can uh, catch the archive. And, of course, see you at 12 o'clock on uh, South Florida Live with the Mike Mayo Lunchbox. And uh, that, that's always a pleasure to get involved there. I, I think he had just uh, an absolute, uh, like, wall-to-wall degenerate weekend for the second weekend in a row. He, he's realizing the beauties of having your kids get a little older and uh, not being involved in any kind of restrictive relationship where you can just do whatever the fuck you want. It's great. <laughs> it's great. No, it really is. Gurgles. Perfect example. All right. Uh, well, we'll see you tomorrow at 7 as we leave you know that. The time. It's 9.03. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.